Very warm welcome to this week's Bromsgrove and Droitwich Standard Podcast with me, Tristan Harris. Now, this might be the fullest studio we've ever had. We've got the, we're dedicating this week to the Worcestershire Wildlife Trust and in particular the Wildlife Heroes Awards. And we have, let's go through this, hopefully I can remember, we have Linda Jones, the 2018 Bromsgrove winner. Hello, Linda. Hello, Tristan. Cool. We've got Keith Walford, who um, had a Wildlife Hero Award Again from Bromsgrove in 2019. Hi, Keith. Hello there. And we've got Richard Hare, um, who has won it this year, the 2021. But first, let's speak to uh, Sadie Carr-Simons, who's the uh, lady behind Worcestershire Wildlife Trust's Wildlife Heroes. Hi, Sadie. Hello, Tristan. Thanks for having me. The pleasure. It's great to see so many people in the studio. Let, let's um, let's just uh, rewind a bit and ha- and uh, take us back to how it all started with the Wildlife Heroes. Right. Well, in 2018, it was the Wildlife Tr- Worcestershire Wildlife Trust's 50th birthday, and we spent the year celebrating things that people do for wildlife in the trust. But we also wanted to do something where we looked outside of the trust at people that are doing amazing things for wildlife all around the county. Um, and the idea was to start Wildlife Heroes. We asked for nominations and we had about 40 people nominated that year and I think about 35 of them were able to attend the the award ceremony and collect a Wildlife Heroes Award and it was a lovely event. And were they from right across the county, the north, the south, Pershore, Evesham, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. they they came from all all over over the place. So yeah, it was a lovely representation of people doing things county-wide for wildlife. I suppose the good thing is as well is by doing that, it's nice to celebrate a milestone but it's even better to have a legacy going forward is that was that kind of the thinking behind it absolutely i think it sort of started with us thinking what can we can we say thank you to people for things they've done in the last 50 years but really we've decided to take it forward and and run this each year because it's very much about recognizing people going forward ordinary people that are doing brilliant extraordinary things for wildlife across the county now what makes a good wildlife hero Oh, it could be absolutely anything, really. I mean, we've got such an amazing range. I think that's that's part of why why the events are so wonderful, is you get to see such an incredible, um, diverse range of people doing different things for wildlife. I mean, this year we had a nine-year-old litter, pit, litter picker, eco-warrior, who kind of inspires her classmates to do more for wildlife, as well as a, an allotment scheme that have decided to turn a plot over to, um, to create a mini wildlife reserve. So we've got people that are doing things in housing associations to make sure that the planting in gardens is as wildlife friendly as possible the the range is is really interesting and and just goes to show that you can make a difference no matter you know what you've got how large or how small absolutely so the the danger is is that wildlife is taken for granted i suppose that we think it's always going to be there we're always going to have fields we're always going to have forests we're always going to have trees and flowers and bees and well bees are one of the most important things going yeah. on though because without yeah. them we wouldn't last very long so there is a danger to do that so but there are you so see it's great to celebrate these these people so how do um how do people go about um nominating if they want to nominate someone well if you know somebody you think's doing something wonderful and like i said it's big or small any age it can be an organization or an individual it 
doesn't really matter as long as they're doing something that you think is really making a difference for wildlife. Um, we'll be having another event in January of 2021. So we're open for nominations all year. So you can just go to our website, which is www.walkswildlifetrust.co.uk. Bit of a mouthful, I'm afraid. But if you go on there and look for Wildlife Heroes, um, you, there's a form that you can fill in. And well, it will just... Well, if you just put in Wildlife Trust, Wildlife Heroes into yeah, Google. Absolutely, you'll get there, um, what I was going to ask as well was how does it all start with the wildlife heroes, do you think, as a rule? Do they kind of find a problem and then try and offer a solution or do they do they read up on something and think, oh, I could do that in my area? Is it, is it quite different for everybody? I think it is very different. I think it's about people with passions, you know. Some people are passionate about making their back garden more, um, you know, like, like Linda here is more passionate about making her back garden as, as wildlife friendly as possible and showing, you know, her community that that's a real, you can make a real difference in your own um, home. There's other people who are, you know, doing things through their work and deciding that, well, you've got an opportunity here, I can make a difference. There's other people that just have a real love for a certain species we've got people nominated for looking after hedgehogs and and doing that sort of thing feeding swans you know there's people that have all sorts of different you know loves and passions and that's what makes them a great wildlife hero I love hedgehogs and we've got yeah. the willows hedgehog rescue in yeah. Grove as well which yeah. is fantastic yeah, I always tell the story about I've, I've always loved hedgehogs and red squirrels but that's a different story we won't get to see one of them <laughs> um, anytime soon but um yeah the hedgehogs I always thought were great and then when I went to like a national trust place or an English heritage I can't remember where it was now but I looked at the because they always have the coasters with your coat of arms on don't they you know mm. so I looked at the Harry's coat of arms and there was three hedgehogs oh. on the Harry's coat of arms so I thought yeah, obviously ingrained in me my love of hedgehogs <laughs> so that's great and they are such cute characters yeah they're fantastic and also with us is um, Linda, who's Linda Jones, uh, also from Bromsgrove. And you've devoted your back garden to wildlife, haven't you? So tell us a little bit about how you've done that. Yeah, well, I've been always interested in wildlife, but more going and watching in remote areas, re really, and uh, walking the countryside. Uh, so we really had a chance when we moved to Bromsgrove in 2011, because we had a house with a very big garden. And uh, it was meant to be more of a productive garden in the sense of fruit, vegetables and so on. But then working the garden, I came across frogs everywhere. The house had been empty for about two years, so the uh, grass was about waist high. And whilst at some point it was a beautiful garden and there's loads of nice flowers and shrubs, but it had gone very wild. So whenever I dug somewhere or cleared somewhere there was loads of insects uh, bees yeah. in the ground bee larvae frogs so obviously then i had to do something to make sure they're for home surprised which two wildlife trust didn't buy your back garden <laughs> off you with that that much wildlife in it i suppose the advantage as well is because fruit and veg can be quite intense can't it like when you when you when you're rotating crops and digging and all that so wildlife gardening is a little bit more gentler as well um I wouldn't necessarily say so, because if you want to do a proper flower meadow, you first uh, have to clear it. You can't just scatter oh yeah, so seeds into the lawn. So if you want really proper flower meadow, you actually have to clear the lot and then sow proper wildflowers. So, uh, yeah, so that was a starting point. And then because of all the frogs, I had to dig a pond. And because it was so many frogs, we now have two ponds. We've got some 
birdbath areas, which are more shallow and with, with gravel so that the insects and the birds can drink and the hedgehogs. Yeah. And um, we've got a swamp. Mm. So uh, really, I try to put in as much as possible in form of different habitats and always with the idea of extending the flowering season. So have heather is great. I've got heather that flowers in winter and then right yeah. throughout the year. Heather also gives the cover for, for the frogs and the insects. So uh, uh, planted loads of heather patches uh, on the lawn. So our lawn doesn't really look much like lawn and it doesn't get cut more than probably three times a year. So, so no croquet on there then? Or, or no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and then it's just like, uh, it's whenever I work somewhere, uh, I think, what can I do to make it wildlife friendly? It sounds brilliant as well, because you sound like you've got so many different areas. Because I had a friend of mine who was a gardener, and he used to call the uh, garden the outdoor living room. <laughs> and he used to say that's how you should treat your garden, really, and, and make little rooms out, out of your garden. And that sounds like exactly what you're doing. Do you keep track of all the uh, animals? Do you know? Like... Yes, I do. I do a diary every year. And so despite all the weather being different this year from last year, actually the frogs were spawning uh, three days after they spawned last year. And also I've got... Uh, some specialists in the sense of I've got actually some albino frogs in the garden so every couple of years I will have albino spawn they sound quite rare are they quite rare yeah because uh, the way it's passed down uh, it's actually recessive so actually it's not dominant so both parents have to have the albino gene and right, pass okay. it on. So, so it kind of skips a generation. Yeah, it only happens probably every three years or so. But uh, it's always, uh, I always patrol the garden in the evening looking at the frogs. Do they have red eyes or are they normal? And, I'm um, surprised you've got time to do anything else, to be honest, with the, with, the, with the amount of stuff you've got going on there. So, yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. But it, it is quite calming, isn't it, I suppose? It, it, it's nice to get out there. And obviously it is hard work. We're not going to get away from that. But it's a kind of escapism and calming, isn't it? Yeah, and also, so, I mean, it is it is work setting it up, like I said, yeah. so you have to clear a lot. But then once a flower meadow is established, you only cut it once a year with a size. So actually yeah. you don't have to mow it and you save a lot of time. And, uh, and also, as long as you don't let the whole garden get overgrown, uh, you can always leave a corner and say, it doesn't really matter if, you, if I clear it next week or next month. And then obviously also it needs to fit around the bird nesting time. So in that sense, uh, most of my clear is done really in the autumn in the second half of the year and given the weather we had at the moment the garden is very overgrown because I haven't done much clearing for the last six months so uh, and that is really I think linking back to Sadie and the Worcestershire Wildlife Trust where I really find the benefit of the award because previously it always felt like you have to apologize to your neighbors and you have to explain uh, and say, oh, yeah. I, have, I try to be wildlife friendly, but it always feels a bit like you frowned upon and people say, oh, just look at this overgrown garden. So the award really gave me the confidence to go and say, well, actually, I'm doing something good and you should be doing something good yeah. in your garden as well, rather than feeling so you, apologetic. So you had a big one blown up and put <laughs> at the back of the garden just so everybody knew who came round. No, that makes sense, actually. So have you always been like interested in, in nature and gardening or did you have to do a bit of research about what to do? Or? Well, I have always been interested in wildlife and nature, but uh, research nowadays is so easy. I mean, um, I come across things in the garden. I mean, the other day uh, I had 
pied hoverfly. I didn't even know that existed. So, but you you see something. It's basically a, a large hoverfly which has a creamy stripe across the back, yeah. and you see something, and then um, you want to know what it is. And nowadays, with with Google, it's so easy to to find out. So, in that sense, I would say you always learn. I'm always surprised because. When I did the bird bath, it was mainly for the birds and mammals. Yeah. Uh, but I was surprised to see how many bees are constantly there drinking, drinking in the summer. Yeah. So in that sense, so even if you just do something small, even if you don't don't have uh, mammals in the garden and very few birds, even yeah. for the insects, it's worth adding some water to the garden. So every single plot, whether it's a little plot or a, even a window box, you could grow something. Can you? The um, you reminded me there of uh, we had a situation on we were camping once and we saw this thing we had the candle and we were just sat outside at one night and this thing appeared from nowhere and it was massive and I ended up posting it on social media and saying what the hell is this do you know what I mean I've never seen it like this it looks quite demonising and it was a mayfly and they only appear like once a year or something and uh, see I live in Birmingham you say so it's, everything's an adventure when I go out into the countryside that's great to hear Linda and uh, keep up the good work uh, let's go to Keith now. So we've gone from 2018 winner Linda to 2019 winner Keith. And you lead the management group um, that looks after High House Wood. It's a small privately owned ancient woodland and it adjoins Licky Hills Country Park. Tell us a bit about what you do there, Keith. Well, um, as you say, it does join the country park. So we get visitors from them coming into our wood. Roe, deer, um, monk jacks, um, all manner of animals. Um, and I'm part of a team which looks after the management of it. Um, it started in 2005 when we applied to the uh, Office of the Deputy Prime Minister under the Open Spaces Scheme. So we had a big chunk of money. Uh, we were successful in our application, chunk, chunk of money. Um, we started then reducing the canopy of the trees. Now, this is an area which hadn't been touched for an awful long time originally owned by a firm of estate agents with an eye on development. Um, obviously, they never got to do that, and they passed it down through their children. Um, we came on the scene in 2005, and uh, since then we've been ma- managing it with a, it's three parties, effectively. One is the parish council, who do the, um, well, fund it through the precept. Um, the second is the agent for the owners, and the third is a local residence association. Fortunately, my house and uh, land backs, well, is right next to the conservation area. Um, so it's quite handy. I can just nip in every now and again to check what's going on. There's something really magical, isn't there, and mystical about ancient woodland, isn't there? Because you just, if you stand there in awe of it all and think, God, how long, you can't even comprehend how long that's been there and how long it's grown. Well, the trees themselves um, aren't that old in certain parts of the wood. Um, some of my neighbor, older neighbours uh, can recall football being played. In fact, there was a standpipe running along from Old Birmingham Road, along the hedge between the country park and us, where they can have water. And from time to time, we find old bottles from Bromsgrove, which are um, lemonade bottles, I'm assuming. They're beautiful, you know, blown and um, pressed beautiful old bottles uh, where the kids have obviously come up and played football. And so um, we've got a farm at the end of High House, sorry, High House Drive, which is, uh, it runs along the side of, um, which is now no longer farmed. But there's quite a, quite a bit of history to the area. 
So going on to your award, congratulations on that. What did you think when you first heard about it? Well, absolutely amazed. The first thing that happened was an email dropped into my inbox and I didn't quite understand what this was, what was happening. Um, apparently, one of the um, committee members had paid a, played a, paid a visit to High House Wood and bear in mind we're tucked in the north part of Worcestershire. Um, he was walking his dog and happened to meet another dog owner and they were talking about... Uh, what, what was going on, because clearly it was slightly different from the uh, country park right next door. And I attended the meeting with another of uh, the management team members down at Smite, Lower Smite Farm, and we had a jolly good evening. It was very well done. And you've, you've felt special. You felt you were actually doing something. Well, you are doing something, clearly, I suppose. It is nice to, to, to get that recognition, though, isn't it? Cause, uh, so how long have you been um, working um, in the area now? Well, um, I say it's 15 years now, uh, totally dedicated to the management of the area. It's, I mean, it's only eight and a half acres, and it has quite a variety of wood and animals as well. I mean, reducing the canopy allowed us to see the floor of the, of the wood, and wildlife, sorry, wildflowers started to re- reappear, which is, which is absolutely wonderful. We've tried to plant um, wildflowers like Linda, and uh, we've been totally unsuccessful. We've had a few come up, but three attempts, and we're still working on it. Um, the Licky Hills Primary School is very nearby, and we have the children come up, and we, they participate in events. Um, last time they came up, they planted another fruit tree, and it's nice to get them involved. They take ownership in that, and they come and water it and keep an eye on it. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we, I invited the head ranger of the country park to come along one evening. We had a bat evening. And it was amazing. You get these little machines and you point them up and you can hear the bats. I mean, you can't necessarily see them, um, but you can hear the, the yeah, noises. Yeah, I went, I went on one in uh, Cottridge um, around the canals and stuff and the pipistrelles and the different... And these experts are amazing there. That's a so-and-so bat, and you're like, is he really? <laughs> but you can see yeah. them as well. You have to go at dusk as well, and that's, yeah. quite, that's quite nice. But going back to what you were saying about the children, it is so important to get them involved. I think in, on two counts, isn't it? On one, that obviously with more emphasis on modern technology, mobile phones, tablets, TV, computer, you do get less... You know, they do get less time outdoors. I think as well, I think maybe parents are uh, a bit more... Um, what's the word? I don't want to insult any parents, me being one of them. Stuck in their ways, a bit more, maybe. No, a bit more concerned, you know, about them going out and stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a whole debate to be had about whether crime's any worse or whether reported crime's worse and stuff, but that's another story. But, um, yeah, I think there is, because I'm more protective of, of, of my um, daughters, I think, than my mum and dad were, and probably than their mum and dad were previously. Like, we used to just be sent out, we'd go and play football for nine hours yeah. a day and come back home, but you yeah. don't really see that anymore. So I think this outdoor kind of life for children is, is, is a bit sparse at the moment. So, so do you think that, that this, this yeah, plays uh, a good role in we, and we like very much to encourage one of our missions is to educate uh, local residents and get them involved. I mean, with litter picks, um, it's a walkthrough for parents delivering and collecting their uh, children from the school. And you get the occasional bit of litter. And it's nice to get the residents out locally who then come in and collect it all. And, um, yeah, I mean, we found a tyre there once. How on earth a car tyre got into our wood? I have no idea. 
but we've removed it. Um, we've also been removing um, non-native bluebells, the Spanish variety, trying to keep it all native. Um, I mean, it's been so wet these these last few months. It's like a river running down the main path. In fact, it's so damp, we've been thinking of uh, planting rice. So we'll see how that goes. That'd be a nice fundraiser for the Bush to Wildlife Trust. <laughs> Something different. Bag of basmati, a quid. <laughs> so you've got the... Uh, yeah, so, so, so the wood, the other thing I was going to say... Um, was so you got the children there and it's not just about teaching them about what's happening now it's about passing the skills down isn't it on how to manage manage yeah. woodland and stuff uh, i mean the school is quite active in promoting uh, the, the environmental issues um and they do have field trips where the whole classes come up and talk talk to the rangers and uh, i mean i put a, a, a event on uh, last year in fact um which are tied into the world war Two. Um, celebration, not celebration, commemorations, um, and they learn things not only about the wood but also about life. Um, well, I think it's quite important. Yeah, definitely. I, I suppose with the woodland like that as well, is it a case of where you go around each corner, there's something new? I bet you're still discovering stuff even after 15 years. Yeah, um, I mean, two years ago, between the Christmas and New Year, we had quite a heavy snowfall and high winds, and there were quite a lot of branches being brought down. And it just opens up certain avenues which, you know, weren't there beforehand. I mean, in the country part, we got the uh, Vitophorum uh, disease, and I mean, it's affected 300 acres of the 424 that are in the park. But it's, what it's done is opened up vistas which the Victorians last saw, and it's also helping Heathland, which is you know, in short supply now. Very important, that is, isn't it? We've yeah. done stories on that before. I think a friend of mine as well, who's, who's a gardener, he said, because I, I, I sometimes grow stuff, and it's just beyond me that I've... He goes, how the hell have you managed to grow that? I've been trying to grow that for years. And I think there is a danger, you know, that you can become too... You know, you can care too much, because very often, like, with I think with wildflowers, it's best if you just leave them to their own devices, isn't it, and stuff. Um, do you Na- nature that? does find a way. It does find a way. Cause, and the amount of spaces you go to where uh, you see wild poppies and they are fantastic and you think, God, you'd love to say, I've planted something like that, but nature has just done it for them, really. So congratulations on your award, Keith. And any events you've got coming up or anything, um, just let us know and we can publicise oh, them through the standard. I'd be very happy to. Excellent. Next, we move on to Richard. And you're the 2020 one, so you're the most recent winner of the award. What did you feel like when you uh, were given the award? Uh, really, really proud. Um, it's, I feel, it, it's, it's a team effort. I mean, I was the one that got the award, but it wasn't down to me. It was down to lots and lots of people involved with the school and various other things. So I'm really, really proud to, to receive the award. Now, I should have really started with what you won the award for, because then people were thinking, well, what do you won the award for? Um, you are the head groundsman at Bromsgrove School. In the last five years, the school has planted an orchard of 50 different fruit trees, all Midlands-based varieties, introduced several wildlife meadows across the school sites, planted large, planted large number of trees and hedges, left manicured lawns for wildlife, um, what Linda was saying earlier, and um, introduced beekeeping club, which sounds amazing. I bet that's a buzz. <laughs> Apologies for that. Um, and there's a beehive on site as well. So it, it sounds like a lot of fun, but it sounds like a lot of hard work. It is a lot of hard work. Um, we've got 
you know, we're, we're quite lucky as a school girl. We've got 15 full-time ground staff. So out of them, six of them are gardeners. Um, and they just really bought into it. And they, they love it. We have regular staff meetings and we'll sit in the staff meetings and we'll see how we can improve things. And all we're good trying to do really is just gear up for the school. We're trying to improve the school for the children at the school, the pupils at the school, the people who work at the school, the visitors come into the school. And it's, yeah, it's really taken off and it, it's been fantastic, to be honest. It's, I mean, it's a big, big site. It's, uh, the main school's 100 acres. We've just taken over Winterfold School, which is another 40 acres. We've got various sites around, all around Bromsgrove and other areas. Um, just for example, there's 1,400 trees that come under Bromsgrove School. So it's, it's a big, big site and it's a, it's a big job. It's, yeah, it's really enjoyable and, yeah, that's what we're doing, really. So. That's a lot of pie and crumble to make in the autumn, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so do the, um, do the, do the, how did the students um, help out? Yeah, we get, the, we get the pupils involved quite a lot. There's three different forest schools, so the prep school at Bromsgrove at a forest school, the pre-prep at Bromsgrove at a forest school, the Winterfold have got a forest school, so it's three different winter, um, forest schools. Uh, we do a little bit of work in there, but obviously the teachers do a lot of work in there. They take the children out and do lots and lots of work in, in the woodland and the forests around, not so much forest, but woodlands around there, planting everything. There's also gardening clubs within the school. You said there's a beekeeping club within the school. So the school really are, you know, really are pushing the, the eco side of things. And, and as a department, we had somebody come in probably five years ago now, an ecologist, and we walked around with him with all the ground staff. And he just pointed out areas where we can improve. And it was just, it was just eye-opening, really. It's just, why do you cut that bank? Why don't you just let that bank grow? You know, it's, it's not part of the school. We've got lots of manicured grounds that we have to have to keep for the school. There's lots of traditional gardens around the school that we have to keep for the school. But there's lots of areas where you can just encourage wildlife. And it's just, you know, getting to the mindset of when we're doing a new border, let's get lots of pollinating plants in there, you know, and, and things like that. It's... And, and, and to be fair, all the gardeners and all the ground staff have bought into that, and it's it's been fantastic the last. And do you ever use the produce in the school? Because obviously you uh, you got the kitchens and stuff. Do you ever use it? Uh, we'd struggle a little bit with the amount of waste from them coming from the kitchens. Um, all the green waste stops on site, so we do recycle. So all the leaves and the grass cuttings and everything like that's all recycled into compost. So that is all reused. Uh, if we do have to do any work on trees, all the wood chip is reused around the school. Um, we try, if we are doing work on the trees, to leave the trees in areas where it can be used for wildlife afterwards. So I know, but I mean, do you use like fruit grown and stuff in the in the school kitchen and, and things? Or we're just starting that this year. Yeah, um, the catering department have taken over a little bit of land where they are going to do some some um, growing of vegetables and things like that, which they will use in the school canteens. Yeah, so it's obviously the size of the school and the amount of pupils there. It's not going. We're not going to do build everything, but. For special events, I know the strawberries are one thing they're looking at. They're looking, looking to grow strawberries and then and they use the strawberries. I'll be popping down for Wimbledon fortnight <laughs> with some cream. Um, there will be parents listening to this who have children and probably don't know how to go about getting them. I mean, obviously, with, with, with any, any subject, everybody's got a varying knowledge. Some people know a lot. Some people won't know a lot. Somebody won't know how to go to research it. Although, um, like Linda says, it's very easy these days to, to go onto Google and things. What, what have been the best methods you've found um, to get the children involved? Is it, is it a case to give them a, a really hands-on approach so they can see them making a difference? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we've done quite a few tree planting sessions, so we'll do tree planting sessions, we'll bring pupils out and get the pupils involved with that. And say there's gardening clubs at all the different things as well, so the pupils can get involved with the gardening clubs, the prep school's got a gardening club, the senior school's got a gardening club, so the children do get through involved with the, which... You know, our gardeners will get involved with the gardening clubs, so they work with the gardening clubs and get involved with the gardening clubs. 
and yeah we do do lots of tree planting to get the children in, involved with the tree planting a lot of it as well is just explaining to people why we have to take trees down people see trees coming down and think you're just chopping on we don't you know there's, there's always a reason when we do any work on a tree it's we wouldn't just chop a tree down just for cosmetic reasons it's got to be there's, there's a problem with the tree or you know it's yeah so it's just explaining to people really and keeping people in the loop what's actually happening and, and it's good that people do question if we do take a tree down we will get people questioning why we're taking a tree down but then when you explain to them why the tree is being taken down and the fact we've planted another five trees for the one we've taken down you know it's and people buy into that and it's good that people do question us i think and i think society in general is changing for the better i think people are starting to certainly from my generation which a long time Just ago was like, yeah. what was going on. Yeah, i think people are realizing that there is a problem and i think people are buying into it and i think it's it, it is coming definitely around, going up the news yeah. the news agenda which, which it needs um, to which it, yeah it does it need, need to, to of course and if, I, I suppose the other advantage as well is the the well-being of uh, or the mental well-being that can be brought with wildlife um because you know everybody's working 24 7 everybody's trying to keep the walls from the door more pressure on children not just bromsco school at every school now i mean some of the things my kids have been doing in like year two, I probably didn't do till the early juniors um, back in the day. Um, so there is more pressure on the children now, and I think it's very important to relieve that mental stress. Yeah, absolutely. You walk around, and I'm quite lucky because I live on site, so I can walk to work. So I've walked to work this morning, I've walked over the fields, there's a buzzard sat on top of the rugby post. We walk down, and there's hundreds and hundreds of red wings on the field. You know, it's just it's just a great feeling. So there was loads of goldfinches in the trees last week. We've got long-tailed ticks in the trees. And it's just a great thing. So you, hear, you hear the birds singing in the morning. It just makes you feel better. And, it's, and, and that's where we're going. We're trying to encourage more and more wildlife by starting right at the bottom. You know, you, you've got to start with the ecosystem, haven't you, and work up. And that's what we're doing. So we leave lots of lots of areas now that in the past would have been cleared up, would have been tidied. And I think as long as you're communicating to people and explaining why, you know, it's some of the sports staff sometimes question why is, why is that bank not being cut? And we'll say because and the reason we're doing it is... And they still buy into it, and it's, it's been really, really good. It's you know, and everybody, vast majority of people have bought into what we're doing, which is which the is less excellent. the less the grass is cut, the harder the players have to work as well on the pitch. <laughs> we still have to keep <laughs> all the um, sports pitches up to the required standard. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Richard, Keith, Linda. And, of course, Sadie. And we'll just remind you um, how to apply for the uh, Wildlife Heroes. Um, you can get information from Sadie on 01905 You can email her at sadie at worcestershirewildlifetrust.org.visit or you can go to worcswildlifetrust.co.uk forward slash wildlife-heroes or simply just search for Worcester Wildlife Trust Wildlife Heroes. Um, in Google and then uh, and then that will take you through so thank you ever so much for joining us have you all enjoyed it wonderful right let's have a look at some other news now and we've got standard shout outs I think that goes without saying because we do this thing called standard shout outs where we we, you know we we like to highlight good things that are going on in the community so a big standard shout out as well as their awards to our Worcestershire Wildlife Trust um, Wildlife Hero winners we've got some more standard shout outs Um, Josh Bullivant and Henry Smith um, they're they are going to be featured in this paper this week and um, they've launched Bennett's Boots in memory of Bromsgrove teenager Harry Bennett who died early this year after a short illness. Harry was popular and very
very active. He played for Kings Norton Rugby Club and football for Meadow Park FC. He'd also played for Bromsgrove Sporting Youth Teams and Bromsgrove Rugby Club and he even played cricket as well. Um, following the shocking death um, the family-run Harry Bennett Foundation was set up in his memory and it's aimed at helping sports individuals and groups achieve um, their dreams. Harry's outgoing personality, his attitude and what he accomplished in his life um, inspired um, Aston Fields Middle School uh, pupil Josh and Henry who attends South Bromsgrove High School and they've launched Bennett's Boots. Now what Bennett's Boots is, is as um, Josh's dad Russell says, um, if you've got kids, you'll know how quickly they grow. They never get the full use out of their football boots. And he said the ones that they've had donated so far have been immaculate. He said they look like they've hardly been worn. So the idea is, is that in Harry's memory, um, these boots are given um, and donated and when children have, have grown out of them. And then they can be sold at a reasonable price. Um, because obviously there'll be some kids out there who can't afford brand new football boots, but to have these boots that they can feel proud in when they play the beautiful game will be fantastic. And the money raised will go towards the Harry Bennett Foundation and that will help get more people into sport and offer more people opportunities. If you want more information, search for the Harry Bennett Foundation online and um, on Facebook. And we'll be putting this story in this week. Um, so we'll have this online as well so you can click through and find out all you need to know. But please, 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 if you've got football boots just sitting around doing nothing, please donate them. Don't let them uh, just... Um, grow old and have cobwebs on because somebody out there could use them and a big standard shout out again to Josh and Henry well done to them uh, we've got an ambitious ca- we've got an ambitious oh, and speaking of campaigns, we've got an ambitious campaign being launched this week to raise £28,000 in just nine months to replace the minibus at Bromsgrove's Chadsgrove School. Uh, an application's been readied for the Lord Taverners for new transport, but they need to match a certain amount um, of funding. So we need to raise that £28,000 in, as I say, in just nine months. The minibus Chadsgrove has at the moment in a bad state of disrepair, starting to rust, the roof leaks, so people get wet when they travel out on trips. Without the minibus, the school will struggle to continue the number of off-site visits available to the pupils and that's going to affect their uh, quality of school life if we're going to be honest they do adventurous outdoor activities they go to sporting events and competitions and also they do transition events as well so you've got the next stages of education when they're at Chad's Grove they might want to go to college open days or on work experience placements or even to day centres and the transport was provided um, for them via the minibus so we need a new minibus for Chad's Grove School as well as Bromsgrove it has a students from the rest of Worcestershire, Birmingham, Solihull and even as far as Staffordshire there's currently 134 pupils on the roll between 2 and 19 anyone who can help by pledging cash or organising fundraising activities should contact Jacqueline Pitts she's the business manager at the school on 01527 871511 that's 01527 871511 uh, for Jacqueline Pitt, the business manager. We'll also have this story on our website as well. So just check it out there and you'll be able to click through. And there's also a crowdfunding page where you can donate. Staying, we're going back to sport now again. A Special Olympian from Droitwich who was bullied at school because of his learning disability is going to be lining up at the London Marathon next month in a bid to change attitudes about impairment. Jamie Danziger who I remember actually from the uh, Special Olympics. He was He's 34 now. He was made fun of by children at his school during PE lessons they didn't, because of the way he ran. He said, I didn't like the way people in the lessons were. They said horrible and nasty things. It made me feel not very confident and not really want to take part in things. 
but then everything changed. Jamie was encouraged by his dad, a learning disability nurse who volunteered as a coach with the local Special Olympics group. He convinced Jamie to just try out during a training session, and then it uncovered. I'm getting... Uh, goosebumps reading this out um he he um he tried out and he uncovered a talent for long distance running jamie said it was something i'd thought would never happen when i was at school it was different and something i'd never done before he represented his club in the region in the 800 meters 1500 meters 3000 meters and 5000 meters then he went on to represent special olympics gb in the world games in athens in 2011 where he picked up two silver medals as well as proving bullies wrong by becoming a special olympic medal winner jamie's also taken steps to combat bulletin uh, combat bullying in schools as well he's gone into there and to speak about his own experiences and obviously that's all part of the changing attitudes next month he's raising funds for learning disability charity mencap's game changing new schools program all move it's aimed at tackling any stigma which arises because of disabilities so great work there from jamie biggs um, a special standard shout out to him as well and if you can, um, the, the story is going to be going up on the droidwitchstandard.co.uk website. You can click through his fundraising page there if you want to um, donate to his cause for Mencap and that campaign. Moving on to sport now. Um, Bromsgrove, um, they had their game called off again at the weekend, obviously because of the weather. Um, we heard Keith talking earlier about growing rice. Obviously, uh, it's, it's a lot of sporting events have fallen victim to the flooding over the last couple of weeks. Um, Barwell at home hopefully will go on at 3pm this Saturday. Sporting are in fourth on 57 points. Tamworth are top on 62, but they've got a couple of games in hand, so it does look like it's more likely going to be playoffs this season, but that'll give us a bit of extra drama in the summer. I'm not sure a lot of Rouseless fans will agree with that because it was a bit, a bit heart, few heart-stopping moments during the playoffs last time, but Hopefully, Sporting will continue their um, their good form. I think they, in fact, I think they lost the last game. So let's hope they bounce back. Droitwich Spa, on the other hand, they're currently playing games at different grounds. They're having a bit of a tour because of um, their ground at Starport on Seven being flooded. It's going well for the Saltman as well. On Saturday, they beat Sea Hunters 4-2. That game was at Warsaw. Um, James Lemon, Jack Davies, Brad Burgess and Connor Collins on the mark. And then last night, they beat Wiley at Malvern. Uh, that was a 5-0 win. And uh, two goals for Brad Burgess, one for Connor Collins, one for James Lemon and one for Jordan Cox. This Saturday, March the 7th, please go and support them. They're back in Droitwich because uh, their ground isn't actually... Um, suitable in case you don't know the story the ground isn't suitable for this level of football they're in the process of um building a stadia pitch um so they can play their home games in droitwich um but at the moment they are having to play in starport or in different areas at the moment they're back in droitwich at the king george playing fields this saturday they've got wellington amateurs who are third droitwich are top so this will put more distance between them if they can get a win which we hope they can and it's absolutely free admission so go and see the saltman on a saturday three o'clock at king george playing fields droitwich are top with 43 points at the moment they've got three games in hand with over second place all scots who are on 35 and wellington amateurs who they play on Saturday are also on 35 points. So good luck to the Saltman. Good luck to the Rouselers. Now we've got Claire with this week's entertainment. She'll be telling you what you could be doing if you want to go out and about in Rubri, Bromsgrove or Droitwich in the next few days. 
for all the things to do and see this week. It's Claire Bullivant with this week's What's On Guide. Thanks, Tristan. Yes, here are my topics of things to see and do around Redditch and Bromsgrove this week. Obviously, we can't fit everything in on this podcast, so do check out this week's paper for the full listings, and also they're all on our website. Starting on Saturday, the 7th of March, who's feeling energetic and fit? Well, you're in luck because there's a park run for International Women's Day happening at Arrow Valley Visitor Centre in Redditch and they want you to get involved. Now remember this is on Saturday, the day before International Women's Day, but there are lots of these parks running all over the world, happening at the same time in every country almost. So sign up, take some selfies with the IWD Park Run hashtag, which is International Women's Day Park Run, and help the This Girl Can campaign created by Park Run partner Sport England. It's going to be great fun. Take a friend, take a relative, a work colleague and introduce them to Park Runs. And don't worry, I went last year and you don't need to run at all. You can walk, you can just turn up and support. It's all about International Women's Day and the camaraderie supporting each other so be there 9am at the Arrow Valley Visitor Centre in Redditch. Then on Saturday evening loads of things going on all over the place. An evening of honour at Chateau Impney is happening um, in Droitwich. This is one of my favourite places and this is such a great event. It's a celebration and fundraising event presented by Breaking the Silence. These guys are a Birmingham based charity raising awareness for domestic abuse, forced marriages and also human trafficking. The main aim is to empower victims and equip them with the tools and resources to make changes and break the silence of abuse in their lives. It's a great organisation. They're doing great things. So do get involved if you can. You can find out all the details and get tickets for this event on their website, which is btsuk.org. Also on Saturday night, I highly recommend Choirs at the Palace Theatre in Redditch. This is the fourth consecutive year they've been doing this. And every year it just gets bigger and better. And it features an evening of music showcasing the talents of four choirs. They're all incredible. It covers many styles from choral to spiritual, traditional folk um, to operata, musical theatre, pop, rock, you name it. It's all in there. Something to suit everyone. It's a fantastic night. 7.30pm start get your tickets quick from the palace theater website for that loads and loads of live music also going on on saturday evening to mention just a few ricky cool and the in crowd they're going to be at Beely village hall in redditch 8 p.m steel wizard great local band there they're going to be putting on a show at the red lion in redditch 9 p.m there also on Saturday, I can't wait for this. This is Craig Ogden, the classical guitarist who's absolutely incredible. He's going to be here in our neck of the woods in Alfchurch, playing at St. Lawrence's Church in Alfchurch, 7.30pm on Saturday night. He's the Australian-born virtuoso, frequently heard on radio, currently on tour across Britain. So seriously, if you love your guitar playing and live music, do go and see him. Tickets are only £20, and if you're a student or an accompanied child five pounds and you can buy them in advance from midlands infonia.co.uk or on the door subject to availability but i do think they're going to sell out because he's truly spectacular i can't wait 7 30 on saturday there 
Another great show will be with Robinson Stone over at Artrix in Bromsgrove on Saturday night. These guys are brilliant. They are three siblings with harmonies reminiscent of the Eagles and Celtic folk roots, all cocktail together. In fact, they're being heralded as the new cause. Definitely worth checking out. I love their music, so do get your tickets for them from the Artrix. Midnight, Midnight Sun have also told us they're going to be putting on a live gig at the old Black Cross on the Worcester Road in Bromsgrove on Saturday night and signing off live music at the Oust House in Redditch on Saturday night. They get some great local bands, actually. Do check out the Oust House. It's a fantastic place, really great community of people who go there. And um, yeah, some fantastic bands booked in. The Oust House, redditch.co.uk if you want more information on that. And also one of my favourite bands, Coldplay Alive, will be at the South Redditch Sports and Social Club on Saturday night. They tell me this is a unique solo tribute to Chris Martin and the music of Coldplay. Sounds fantastic. I love Coldplay. 9pm start there. You can just turn up and get your tickets on the door. Then on Sunday the 8th of March, if you're getting married or you know someone getting married, then tell them about this because it's the Avoncroft Wedding Fair at Avoncroft Museum in Bromsgrove, 11am until 3pm. And we do the wedding magazine here, so believe me when I tell you I know a good wedding fair when I see one. We go to the mall and Avoncroft put on quite the show and it's definitely worth checking out. Wedding fairs are always a great way to get ideas, meet local suppliers and Avoncroft Croft itself is a stunning, stunning wedding venue. So if you're still searching for that special place, definitely worth checking out. Also on Sunday, there's another Geo Tri Redditch Duathlon happening at Abbey Stadium in Redditch. This time it's ideal for beginners, first timers wishing to experience multi-sports events. So if you fancy a go, check out the Abbey Stadium website. All the details are on there for that. On Sunday evening, Lenny James and the Gator Squad, they're going to be putting on a performance at the Red Lion in Redditch. And don't forget, everyone's favourite, on Sunday night, it's quiz night at the Bell Inn in Aswood Bank. Every Sunday at 9pm, and Alan, who's your host, is fantastic. Just turn up with your most intelligent friends, of course, for your chance to win some prizes. A couple of picks for, for next week. On Wednesday, the 11th of March, Band by the BBC will be at Fairfield Village Hall. This is Dave Clark's light-hearted look at the BBC's decision to protect us all from unspeakable harm. Sounds like an interesting talk there. They put on some great events at Fairfield Hall, actually, so do check out their website and Facebook page. They've got some great things coming up. And then on Thursday, the 12th of March, it's the Martin Turner and the Wish Bone Gold Spring Tour at Artrix. This is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the formation of the original Wishbone Ash, featuring full performance of Wishbone Ash's classic 1971 album Pilgrimage. Get your tickets from the Artrix website quick before they all go. And remember to check out this week's paper or our website for our full What's On listings. And also remember to let us know if you've got anything going on so we can let everyone know. Have a great week, everyone. Back to you in the studio. Thanks, Claire. Loads going on for Bromsgrove, Rubri and Droitwich. Big thank you to all our guests today. Linda Jones, Keith Wolford, uh, Richard Hare, and of course Sadie Carr-Simmons all from the Worcester Wildlife Trust well Sadie's from the Worcester Wildlife Trust the other three are Worcester Wildlife Heroes so congratulations to them and thank you ever so much for joining us remember if you want daily updates you can um, check out bromsgrovestandard.co.uk droitwichstandard.co.uk you can email us through those websites or you can get in contact on Facebook Twitter and Instagram 
that's when all the conversations happening folks so please join in if you want to get in touch about anything you've heard on this podcast anything you think could be featured on a future podcast if you want publicity for an event going on in Bromsgrove Droitwich Ruby or South Birmingham please get in touch or if you've got any news anything you think needs investigating we'd love to hear from you this is why we do it every week it's for our readers and listeners and without you all this wouldn't be possible Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Hopefully it'll be a dry one after the last couple. And we'll reconvene at the same time next week where we hope to speak to you then.